Center Live and On Demand. On the Blaze, I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron, you are familiar with. We have an extra with us here. Nate Madden is our congressional correspondent at The Blaze. He'll be joining us here shortly because it is a Dace Group Friday. We love to know what you think about what we think. You can join us as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. Uh, you can also email the program, steve at stevedace.com. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name for those of you listening on the radio or podcast is D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening on a podcast today or any day, thank you for tuning in. Uh, leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. If you like what we do here, we greatly appreciate that, as we do all of you that have done that already. Coming up a little bit later on after the day's group, today's Truth Bomb, we'll also have uh, some Feedback Friday where we'll touch on a, uh, a multitude of topics. And one of the things we get to do on this show, other than talk to you and talk about stuff uh, that we care about, is we get to support causes that we think are worthwhile as well. Uh, maybe the greatest cause of them all. Taking the word of God to every corner of the earth. That's what Back to Jerusalem does, particularly to what are called closed countries, countries where the oppression, the oppressive government there uh, will not allow. Uh, the light and optimism and hope offered by the Word of God because they want to keep their people oppressed. If you want to join their effort to do something about that, to reach every closed country between China and Jerusalem, countries like China, North Korea, Somalia, uh, Iran, uh, they've got a Bible that they have essentially shrunk down small enough in order to get it past the gatekeepers in each of these countries. It's not their own version of the Bible. It is the Bible the same one. It's just smaller. If this is something that you would love to support, uh, it's just $15, the cost of you and, a, and someone else going to a fast food lunch today. Here's how you can help take the word of God to these closed nations. Blazehelp.org is the website. That's blazehelp.org, or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And now it's time for the day group. I'm uh, I'm giggling because um, I I remember when I was down in Dallas two weeks ago, and Sarah Gonzalez uh, from the Blaze was uh, our fourth panelist, and I had told her that this is just a total complete ripoff of the McLaughlin Group, and when the music came on and the graphics and stuff came on, her eyes got all big and she's like, "You guys did just totally rip this off." Indeed, we did. Truth in advertising, we ripped it off. All right, so Nate, welcome. Are you ready to go, brother? Always. All right, let's get to it. Issue one. Jesse's hoax. Fire actor Jesse Smollett was indicted and arrested on a felony charge of disorderly conduct this week for filing a false police report. This follows his claim back in January that he was assaulted by two men in Make America Great Again hats in one of the nicer neighborhoods of Chicago. I think that what people need to hear is just the truth. I'm left hanging my head and asking why. You do such a disservice when you lie about things like this. Why would anyone, especially an African-American man, use the symbolism of a noose to make false accusations? I noticed the rope around my neck and I started screaming. They called me There's no which way you cut it. Bogus police reports cause real harm. The fact that we have these fear mongrels. The accusations within this phony attack received national attention for weeks. If I had said 
it was a Muslim or a Mexican or someone black, I feel like the doubters would have supported me a lot much more. So I'm offended by what's happened, and I'm also angry. Just remember that mine was reported right away. And look what has happened. This publicity stunt was a scar that Chicago didn't earn and certainly didn't deserve. So they get to go free and go about their life and possibly attack someone else? Smollett attempted to gain attention by sending a false letter that relied on racial, homophobic, and political language. Do you think there's a link between the letter and the attack? Um, and you did mention it to the police right away absolutely. about the letter. When that didn't work, Smollett paid $3,500 to stage this attack and drag Chicago's reputation through the mud in the process. I will never be the man that this did not happen to. Mm. I am forever changed. And why? This stunt was orchestrated by Smollett because he was dissatisfied with his salary. If the attackers are never found, how will you be able to heal? Um, I don't know. But to put the national spotlight on Chicago for something that is both egregious and untrue is simply shameful. I still want to believe with everything that has happened that there's something called justice. How could someone look at the hatred and suffering associated with that symbol and see an opportunity to manipulate that symbol to further his own public profile? Yes, why indeed, Chicago Police Department Superintendent Eddie Johnson, why indeed? Also, why did Jesse Smollett pay via check the two brothers who helped him commit this crime? America, let me just tell you something. What's that? Uh, do not commit crimes with checks. <laughs> Come on, man. You cannot, if you're going to break the law, do not write a check. Because you're writing a check that what? Uh, behind cash. <laughs> Yo, man, you can't cash up. <laughs> hey, get cash, man. Kamala Harris, who called the attack on Smollett a modern-day lynching, released a statement yesterday saying, quote, Hate crimes are on the rise in America. The tragedy of this situation is that it distracts from that truth and has been seized. 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 By some who would like to dismiss and downplay the very real problems. Cory Booker, who called the attack on Smollett a modern-day lynching, said this. Um, we know in America that uh, bigoted and biased attacks are on the rise in a serious way. And we actually even know in this country that since 9-11, the majority of the terrorist attacks on our, soul, soul, on our soil have been right-wing terrorist attacks, the majority of them white supremacist attacks. But in these trying times, we must turn our eyes once again upon Charles Barkley. Yes, Jesse, you wasted all that damn time and money. You, you know what you should have did? What's that? Just went up in Liam Neeson's neighborhood. <laughs> you could have solved all your damn problems. <laughs> Charles, you got <laughs> Oh, I, I think there's three lessons we can learn from this from the start. One, I certainly prefer Republicans seized to Republicans pounce. I, I like that better. I, I, I like diversity there in the counter theme. Republicans seized rather than Republicans pounced. Um, second, don't ever open an email from Nigerians. Just <laughs> don't, don't, don't ever, don't, don't ever open email from Nigerians. And secondly, Jesse Smollett is a hell of a lot better actor than most of America was aware about a week ago. So let's get to it.
First question, and go back and think about where you were when you first heard this story, gentlemen. And, and what you thought when this story first broke. And now, fast forward. How surprised would you have been back then to go forward in time and learn this was all a sociopathic hoax? Todd, I'll start with you. Uh, not surprised at all. Uh, there's a uh, there's a truth here. This is not an outlier. There's a fundamental truth uh, laid out by the great prophet George Costanza, and it <laughs> applies to progressivism. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> this is per- a perfect poster child for progressivism. I mean, li- listen, I the the, the pathos there. It is genuine. There is something existential at stake that allows you, the people of reason and science, to have total kabuki theater on a daily basis. And it's imperative on our side. Like, hey, I joined Chuck in the laughter, but it's imperative on our side to realize that because we'll sit there wasting a lot. Not that we should abandon reason, but talking to them they, they have no intention on meeting us on the terms of reason uh and science so we need to f- fundamentally understand the, the paradox of play the more and why we all need to pause it is for the same reasons just as likely as something like steve scalise uh and company almost getting uh well getting gunned down at that softball game thank god uh uh, wasn't killed because of the uh, actions of the Secret Service. But the more likely that actual violence becomes because of all of this, it also becomes more likely that lies about that violence happened. And we were talking that a little bit about the um, uh, the, the Coast Guard thing. I, read, I ran a headline today, right before we came in, talking about the Cal Berkeley, the, the Turning that, yeah. Point USA activist that got beat up out there. Right. And there's... And, and it's a news story attached with the video of him getting beat up. Yeah. And it refers to an alleged beating yep. when the video of him getting beat up is attached to the headline. That That's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. So what's alleged bo- about what we're watching? So both uh, both are, are bad. Actual violence coming out of nowhere, really bad. Actual lying, you know, this house of cards kind of lying uh, coming out of the woodwork. But they, they happen for the exact same reason. So you, you, you've got to pause back. Something terrible happened either way. You, just, you don't want to jump in headfirst either way because— uh, at all levels of malfeasance are now possible now that the dark one is basically being allowed to run writ large over our culture. So, Nate, go back to when you first heard about this story. If you could have gone forward in time right then to find out, in the end, this was all a sociopathic hoax, would you have been surprised? Not even a little bit. Look, when you look at the details of this first story, everything about what he did screamed amateur hour. All right, you look at the check, you look at the fact that the whole story hinges on Two a-holes in MAGA hats just happened to be walking around in Chicago in the middle of one of the coldest nights of the year, and they just happened to have— You can tell the police superintendent is the most offended by that. A black gay guy that they want to rough up. That smells worse than the bathroom at the gas station that serves (laughs) gas station sushi. And if you have the smallest modicum of journalistic skepticism and integrity about anything, you'll notice how much that story stinks. But— you look at what happened. It was an absolute just travesty of the profession of journalism where you had all these doe-eyed halfwits chase this story because it confirmed their worldview. And this is where I fall back on Hanlon's razor and say, you know, you know, let's not assume malice where incompetence will suffice. But 
it's it incompetence that's completely driven by the, their anti-Trump worldview. They wanted this to be real so badly. So like a bunch of just doe-eyed college freshmen, you know, listening to a socialist professor, they chased it off into the sunset. I'm not surprised at all this was a hoax. It smelled like amateur hour from the start. Aaron, how surprised would you have been at the beginning? Not at all. I, well, I, and I should clarify that, not just because Smollett is, you know, coming from Hollywood or anything of that nature, but uh, because any time in our culture now, especially with the uh, the, the proliferation and, and the fruits of victimhood uh, being uh, being such a sacrament, especially in the broader culture, but especially on the left, it, it would not surprise me uh, at all um, if anything like this. It wouldn't surprise me at all, even uh, that, that attack that you just mentioned from uh, of the Berkeley student. Mm-hmm. I don't know what precipitated that. <clears throat> the reaction of that one dude who, who just cold-cocked that uh, student, that's not appropriate. I don't know. It's never justified. I don't know what happened before then, and I would never be surprised if these types of things are... Um, are uh, you know, are, are staged in, in the same types of way or not really what they seem uh, at first blush. So we should always be, always be skeptical when, especially in the broader media and the mainstream media, when anyone, anyone is cast as a victim. And that is a terrible sentence to say. That's a terrible thing to think because when they're, when the actual victims are out there and they, their stories need to be heard, um, People like Jesse Smollett are going to come into the front of people's minds every single time. And that's the, the rise of victimhood as a sacrament means that when everybody's a victim, absolutely nobody is. And when uh, nobody's a victim, how is there going to be justice? Can, can I tie two sure. things that uh, Nate said together? Because I think it bears repeating on what you started the week off with and talking about the media. Uh, n- not by much, but I am actually more surprised that Jesse Smollett was lying. Not by much, but I am more surprised that that actually happened than that the press bought the whole thing. You can take that to the bank. The, 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 the press totally. is is utterly drunk just as nate said onto i mean they, they their job is ultimately supposed to be defined by a healthy skepticism well, and they have they're, they're, zero and when you have less credibility than yeah. jesse smollett uh, check yourself that's if we had a press what you're describing is the advanced comms team the propaganda arm of a hostile invading force yes and so when you're that when you're not doing media, when you're doing the you know 21st mass media, uh, modern technology version of lit dropping, you yeah. know, in, in, in enemy country, you're looking for caricatures. You're you're looking for narrative confirmations to reinforce your own propaganda. That that's you're you're looking for mental lube for your for your own personal circle jerk. That's what you're looking for, and so that that's why there isn't any self awareness. That's why there will be none. You that are watching us today, you aren't worthy of it. You don't deserve it. You are beneath contempt. They have to show no empathy whatsoever. Robin Roberts doesn't have to show any empathy, any self-awareness whatsoever for the scam that she helped to perpetuate there on Good Morning America. None. Zilch, nada. Why? Because to them, it's not a scam. It's who they think or want you to be. So they're perfectly justified. Their only sin is that Icarus flew too close to the sun. That's all. 
That's all. And and there will be more. No, We ran down how many of these were fake stories in the last few years. We ran down, what, 20 of them the other day on the show? And there's a lot more than that. Um, they'll just continue because it's either who they believe you are or who they want to cast you to be so they can justify doing to you what they have planned. This is dehumanization. It is a classic propaganda tactic of an invading force. And they are just a, a pretty glossy makeup version of these sorts of things we have seen. This is the, a Tokyo Rose Act that you have seen all throughout human history. It's just on cable television. That's all. That's the only difference. Tell me I'm wrong. And I'm probably the least. I Of all the staff members here at The Blaze, everybody with a microphone, I may not be the least inclined to buy into these sorts of things. But you're going to have you're going to there might not be anybody more skeptical of buying into it than me. All right. But I can't ignore the truth in front of my face. You know, Occam's razor is in effect. Tell me what others what other conclusion explains all of these dynamics other than just that very simple one. What other one does not Don't look at me. You know, I think you're preaching the gospel on this. There we go. Exit question. Who serves more time in jail? Roger Stone or Jesse Smollett? Aaron. <laughs> yes. Todd. <laughs> uh, it's Roger Stone. Roger Stone. What do you think, Nate? Roger Stone. Oh, my gosh. I, I, like, I, I, Nate's I, like offended we even asked. Did I come on here to ask stupid questions, Steve Dace? They told me Dace asked contrarian <laughs> challenging questions. What in the world is this? If he gets more than 50 hours of community service, I will be floored. Issue two, where's the emergency? And now a live look at the fruits of Donald Trump's emergency declaration on border security. Yeah, he hasn't signed that emergency declaration yet because, as we all know, emergencies really aren't that much of an emergency, and not all emergencies are very emergency You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. First question, uh, this one goes to you, Nate. Does it matter that we're going on a week since Trump declared the border a national emergency, and he still hasn't even signed the emergency declaration yet i ask you my consistent answer to this is always who the hell knows um the only constant about the only predictable thing about the president is unpredictability especially on stuff like this i mean he could do it as soon as congress gets back in so that we can knock all this stuff out deal with the disapproval stuff and do it you know knock all this stuff out in a business day he could wait until he spends the uh, 1.3 billion and then decides okay we're gonna sign it for the rest of it the simple answer is i mean it's it doesn't look good, but I always keep my powder dry when it comes to stuff like this. What do you think, Todd? Well, uh, 
I have a question first. There's this video going around of, that, that Trump is showing. Of, he said, it, look, it's being built right now. But I've also heard that this is not uh, that this is a f- fairly recent vintage of late 2018, but it's replacement wall. That now, can anybody help me with that? Because it bears. Re- bears. That's why I've not mentioned it because I don't know the answer okay. to the question. Well, I I think it matters because I think it's probably Trump lying again. I mean, if he is using video of something that just flat out isn't happening, he I mean he's ditch McConnelling us right now. So I, I I think you, you think you're being gaslighted. I think basically. we're getting full on swamped is what we're getting, and so I, I hope that's not true. But this we've seen this before. This isn't the first time he said he's going to do something, and he never follows through. He never I, he I, never magas. I I I want a wall. I've been an advocate of it long before. Um, he came down the escalator. I was part of a group of conservative activists that so bullied John McCain on this that in his last Senate campaign, he finally ran a commercial ad saying, build the damn fence or whatever he said at the time. Okay. I want this to be successful. Um, If he loses the immigration battle, we likely will lose it uh, for the foreseeable future in this country, if not forever. Okay. So I'm trying to understand what have they been doing there for the last week? What what strategy are they pursuing? I'm I, I am earnestly trying to figure out. Tell because I, again I'm going back to Occam's Razor here, like I just did with the media, and Aaron I'm I'm I, Occam's Razor is telling me, and and, the, and so is my Spidey sense, that this wasn't about a national emergency. This was about putting down an insurgency from your own base, and and just you know having a meaningless press conference while you caved on a budget, and then you know Ditch McConnell schedules his uh, you know clickbaity Green New Deal vote at the exact same time that we're being played here. This is all shiny objects. So tell me I'm wrong and that there is some other strategy because you're worried. I don't tell me how you go to a federal judge and argue it's a national emergency when you declared one and then a week has gone by and you haven't even signed your own declaration to formally acknowledge it. Tell me how this what's happening wins. I don't see it. Uh, that's a that's a great question um, because there's no good answer uh, for that unless there are some uh, provisions about making this case legally before uh, some uh, judge in the 666th district of Babylon that I'm unaware of. There is no. Um, so now we don't preemptively do things they, until the judges say yeah, we do. They, yes. Okay. I, um, there there's no good answers as to what we've seen from Donald Trump over the last couple of weeks. I don't get the feeling that we necessarily, though, I'm, I'm not quite as sold on the idea that we've lost this idea, uh, th- th- lost this battle forever. Um, but we are, are are very close. Like, it has to happen within the next eight years or so. Like, an actual wall, burial, barrier, uh, fence that keeps things out. Not, you know, the, the provisions of the spending bill that he signed into law. It's just the whole thing is a terrible, terrible look for the president. And I again, I say this is a lot of this is on him, but the Republicans controlled Congress again for two years before he even decided to pick this fight. Um, so he bears a lot of responsibility, but uh, not not the full, not the full Monty of the responsibility. Nate, you get the final word on this. Help me understand as someone who's an advocate of the stuff he's for or he verbalizes he's for anyway, help me understand that how this is a winning strategy, what's transpired or actually not the past week. 
I mean, if you're taking this to court, I think it's at best a lateral strategy, and it definitely doesn't help to when you know the defense is going to make the point that they sat on this declaration for at least a week before signing it. Their lone defense in that is the fact that the statute as it stands is pretty damn lenient when it comes to what executives are allowed to mm -hmm. declare as national emergencies and the pretext for doing so. Uh, given by the fact that, I mean, Obama was able to declare national emergencies for things all over the world, uh, I've written about this, uh, I've, I've got a piece of conservative review about this earlier this week. As far as waiting this long to sign it, unless the, the only decipherable thing that makes sense is either you wanted to wait until Congress was in session for whatever reason that your legal White House counsel told you to wait for it, or you want you think that it's going to be better for you to expend all of your available monies on the 55 miles they gave you before you actually sign it and declare. Those are the only two things that make sense to me from my perspective. I, I, okay. I, okay. Exit question. If the future of Trump's wall were a Billy Joel song, which, bullet, which Billy Joel song would it be? A, The Longest Time, which I sang in choir. So screw you, Erzin. B, Good Night Saigon. C, Just the Way You Are. Or D, Big Shot, Todd. <laughs> uh, good Night Saigon. Aaron. It's the same. Good Night Saigon. Nate. I'll be the lone voice of optimism here and say the longest time. Okay. When that's the optimistic option. Wow. We're talking about 55 miles in a, in a, in a long protracted legal battle that's going to go to the Supreme Court. The longest time is a bare minimum at this point. Oh, I, yeah. My advice would be get doing it right now and act on it. You know, but you know how politicized John Roberts is as the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Does he really want to be the chief justice that while we're in the middle of building a wall, people can see it visually being built to protect the American people stops it and says, stop, don't do that. And if, if, the, if, the, if the statute is as lenient and I agree with Nate's analysis, that's even more of, of, of or more of an excuse to not be acting right now. You don't give an Oval Office address. It's the only one of your presidency to the American people saying there is an emergency. And then you declare one and then you don't act. We, we need the people who represent us to have credibility with the American people. OK, you can't do this to the American people. You can't. And the American people, there's a lot of them out there that don't read Vox and don't watch The Blaze, you know, and are going to pay attention like every now and then. And they need to believe that the president's not a clown and he's not behaved in a way the last couple of weeks, his administration, that would mollify those concerns. So uh, here's what I'm here's my offer today. To, if you're working at the White House today, I want to introduce you to a product. It's called WaxRx. Hopefully you heard me. Clean the wax out of your ears. Do you understand the words that is coming out of my mouth? Act now. All right, go to usewaxrx.com. Get a physician-directed formula. You like this one, don't you? <laughs> Can you imagine them sitting back there? What's he going to do today? <laughs> You don't need a prescription for use uh, for wax or eggs. You can use it uh, just by going to the website. Uh, and it's got a pH conditioned formula, just like you get at the doctor's offices as well, that soothes that ear, professionally cleans it out. Even for those of you working over there in the West Wing, works for you too. All right. And you don't need a prescription. You don't have to wait at a doctor's office. All that uh, government health care you guys love, you don't have to access it at all. You can just get it right now at usewaxrx.com. That's the website. It's a matter of national security. I, you know, it's an emergency. <laughs> yes. I am declaring a national emergency right now.
You know, I've just got this mental image of some poor intern whose job it is to listen to this show somewhere in the OEOB, and he, like, writes it down on a little piece of paper, and he scurries up from beside the steam pipe in the basement where he works, and he hands it off to somebody in the conservative grassroots liaison's office or whatever they call it, and then gets sent back to the basement. That's all I got in my head going Yes, on. and hopefully he wrote down, use offer code radio when you go there for free shipping, too. All right, offer code radio for free shipping at usewaxrx.com. All right? I, I mean, you. it sells itself. I want to win. I want to win. If, uh, if Obama declared a national emergency, that we were literally under an invasion from near-to-wells and drug cartels in the southern border and then didn't even sign it for a week, let alone act, what would everybody be doing that, that gets a paycheck in this industry alongside us? What would they all be doing right now? You've been right using now? that analogy a lot lately, and I'm dying a little bit every time you use it because it's fundamentally just awful. Except in this case, I'm not doing it for any form of integrity check or whataboutism. I want to win. I, w- I want to win this argument. But you, 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 nobody else does. You play the game to win. All right? Somebody somebody fire up some Herm Edwards over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, please. Homeowners beware. A recent data breach just exposed 24 million more Americans who are homeowners to home title fraud. Now, you may say, wait, I've got identity theft protection, so, uh, you know, this can't happen to me. Well, you should have identity theft protection if you don't, but it doesn't protect you from from secondary scammers. What do I mean secondary scammers? Well, these are people that can't directly access your identity, but they have verifiable information now about your identity to claim they are you to a second or a third party. So when they breach a major bank, for example, like recently just happened, they may now have a checking account number, a middle initial, a maiden name, the last four digits of a social, the kind of things that when you go to a second or third party now to verify that you are you, like maybe a county recorder or accessor site where your home's uh, title is located, they now have the information to verify they're you, uh, forge a signature, maybe refile the home under a different name, or just liquidate that equity in a HELOC of their own, stick you with the bills, and you don't get to capitalize on the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have, their own home. Don't let that happen to you, especially when for just pennies a day, home title lock will protect you from it. And who knows, maybe your home's title has already been targeted. Find out for free with a free title scan and report via HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, we are back with uh, the Dace Group. Todd and Aaron are here along with uh, the Blaze Congressional Correspondent, Nate Madden, our special guest panelist here today. Gentlemen, let's get to issue three. Is your penis female? It all began with one innocuous tweet from a blue checkmarked dude on Twitter. Trans women are biological women. And then, if a woman has a penis, her penis is a biologically female penis. The Twitter account I'm quoting from belongs to a cross-dressing man who's somewhat well-known in that community. India Moore came out as polysexual last year and used an explanation of polysexuality written by Grace Pokella, a biology teacher from New York, who ended her explanation with the words, quote, don't use science to justify your bigotry. 
Meanwhile, juxtapose that with the absolute bombs that former CBS foreign correspondent Lara Logan has been dropping this week. A woman who was assaulted and nearly killed at the hands of a mob in Egypt during the Arab Spring, who went completely ignored by most everybody on Twitter and the media. And noted lesbian Martina Navratilova getting the boot by a trainee activist group because of her criticism of male athletes competing against females. Donald Trump being called a racist because he wants to decriminalize homosexuality. Students at Washington University in St. Louis dropping the word vagina from the vagina monologues because it's not inclusive. And knowing that this all happened just this week and you get a pretty good idea of where our culture stands now. So first question, uh, Nate, let me throw this at you. How would you know if you have a female penis or not, Nate? Because... The, the leprechaun mounted on top of the unicorn would tell me. I, I honestly, I thought all night, you guys sent me the subject yesterday. I thought about how to answer this question for the longest time. I, I don't speak gibberish. I don't know how to answer that question. Do you speak bocce? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your point. I'm sorry. But that, that's my point. Like it's, it, it's just, we're getting to a point. One of the most prescient things I ever read was that in the summer of 2015, it was uh, it was a blog post over at first things. It was talking about some college that, you know, for something that was like, it blew up the cycle for that week back in 2015. And now it's just standard issue, you know, you know, transgenderism gibberish was, you know, the, oh, some men menstruate, so we need to have tampons in the men's room at some college. And it said, you know, this is the coming of the age of gibberish. We, like, mashing all that up, Aaron, I, you hurt, you, you actually hurt my feelings uh, putting all that together, not because you insulted me, but because it just made me sad about the state of things in this country. We are dead smack in the middle of the age of gibberish and nothing matters and nothing makes sense. And it's like Thanos with the daggum reality stones that it's whatever you want it to be, except they don't have a reality stone and they're just pretending. We are a culture that Thanos would look at and say, there's no point in snapping my fingers. It's a pointless oh. exercise. It's pointless. What do you think, Todd? <sighs> How do you know? How do you know if you have a female penis or not, Todd? Do you know? Uh, um, I, I, yes. So say what, say what else you wanted to say instead. Because <laughs> that is the correct answer to that question. Uh, how, how, how do we share culture with these people for, for, for much longer? I, I, I don't want to do it. Hey, if, if there's not room, if there's not room in the jihad for Martina de Ratilova, like I said earlier this week. I mean, she helped blaze the trail for a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now. If, if, there's, if she's not good enough, yeah. if, if, it's, if, if she at some point draws a line and says there has to be some clarity here and they throw her under the bus, what are they going to yeah. do to the rest of us? And I, that's what, I'm not pausing for effect, but I, I'm trying to figure out a way to say what I've said before in a way that, you know, we, we are fundamentally at war here i it's it, we we just and and we're hurting each other we the 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 rampant onset of the killing hasn't happened yet but when i when i have to consider what's next as aaron said this just happened this week um I, it, the, it's not it's not a punchline charles Bar there won't be much laughter uh from charles barkley after what comes next to be even crazier you can't and, and and the amount of time we spend in conversation with people who are actively thinking about ways 
to end us means what are we wasting our time what, what do we have to be thinking about what's next to head this thing off if, you secession know, it, it, i i i see from people i know all too often and i've known for years who have drank all this Kool-Aid that there's no there's not the goodwill even of they can't other me and I can't other them because we've known each other too long. But there's still no – I can't get there anymore in the ways I used to get to the uh, – Because you know that they'll feel bad about it. They may even shake their heads and yes. tisk tisk. But when they come for you, when when our local Democratic state senator yeah. sends her, her, her jackbooted thugs to check out, to, to take your kids right. from you, like the bill they're debating in our legislature right now, they'll feel real bad about it. And they'll tisk tisk and wish it hadn't come to this. But they'll be standing out there on the sidewalk having uh, shown them all to make sure they know where you live. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. That's why. And in the context of what we just discussed earlier on the show, in terms of the national emergency that isn't getting acted on, we, we are just – we're lambs led to slaughter right now. Our children are lambs led to slaughter right now. Aaron. Um, how do you know if you have a female penis? Well, if your first name is Lindsay and your last name rhymes with ma'am. Um... <laughs> oh, hey. Just walk away now. We're done. <laughs> we didn't get our elbow in for Mr. Mr. Graham uh, this weekend, so I, I, I figured I needed to do that. No, this is... I, um, that was more than an elbow, bro. Yeah. <laughs> for the yeah. sake of my career as a, as a congressional journalist, I'm going to distance myself from that Yes, joke. yes. <laughs> yeah. We will excuse your cognitive dissonance. <laughs> Uh, Nate, yeah. Nate, strike that from the record. Continue yeah. the rest of your point, Aaron. Um, yes. No, this is uh, this is just underscores um, one our knowing our enemy, and this is this is an enemy. You had this conversation, you did this show earlier this week, and you've done it several times before. There are opponents, and then there are enemies. Now, uh, as a Christian, we are not supposed to view. Um, we are not supposed to view them as our enemy. We're supposed to pray for our, love our enemies, pray for those who persecute you. It's them who view themselves as yes. yeah. our enemy. Yeah. <laughs> and when you are confronted with that knowledge, it really changes the way that you look at everything. And yes, we are going to be able to, and maybe maybe the best thing we can do at this point is just laugh until we can't laugh anymore because you know we're sitting dead in a jail cell. Um, but that is, they are, again, they are coming. This is, these are not warning shots anymore. And they're, they're not even coming. They're over the walls and they are, uh, they are here right now. Todd just described, and it's not hyperbolic. You know, you know, the people that Todd is talking about all, everybody watching or listening to this right now knows the people that Todd is talking about. Um, we have to be prepared. And again, this goes back to what Todd says, channeling. I can't remember what movie. Uh, but what are you prepared to do? Um, are you prepared to? Are, are you go, it, when they come for your neighbors? Are you going to be the ones out on the on the front lawn? I, I hope not. Um, what are you prepared to do? That's that's the that's the main thing that we need to take from this when we see when we, th- we see stories like this. So let's get to the exit question. If I would have predicted even back in 2015 when Todd, Aaron, and I started working together that we'd be talking about female penises as a serious notion of thought from ideological elements of the American left. Folks would have called me crazy. Let's fast forward even just a few years from now and predict what would be considered ridiculous insanity now that we will be debating in the mainstream then. Todd. 
Well, I already had my answer locked and loaded on this, but you already alluded to it. It's happening in Iowa. It happened in uh, Oregon. Uh, uh, government officials, uh, 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 by law, being allowed to enter our home to investigate the stability of our children with the authority if they deem uh, uh, necessary, way beyond what we now talk about in terms of uh, you know, it's, it's children getting beaten or anything like that, but our children are going to be taken yeah, away. Yeah, essentially the same people that believe you can kill a child at any point, right up yeah. until its head leaves the birth canal, and then maybe even then, yeah, they're going to be the ones that decide whether your children that are yeah. live-born, whether they are being uh, properly uh, inculcated or not, right? Yeah. Why would you mistrust those people? Yeah, my answer to that, by the way, uh, Second Amendment. Nate. What are we going to be debating a few years from now that would that right now we think would be ridiculous insanity? Oh, whether it's uh, illegal, you know, legal or not for me to teach my children the catechism of the Catholic Church because we believe in all these unprogressive things like the right to human life and natural marriage and stuff like that. I think it's, it's piggybacking off of your and Todd's point, but I think that that's going to be a legitimate question about whether or not we're actually allowed to, to catechize our children with these millennia old ideas. What do you think, Aaron? Assuming the gender of your Roomba. All right, let's get to issue four in the Oscars. All right. So this is kind of a thought exercise. The Oscars are this weekend. Now, I have not watched um, since Jim Valvano's, uh, the first ESPY when he gave that speech, was the same year that Richard Gere went off for like an hour and a half, it seemed, about the Dalai Lama at the Oscars. All right. And I have, I have not watched an award show for a, for more than five minutes period since then. I I find them beyond self-indulgent. I just couldn't be less interested, okay? But I'm a big movie guy. So I thought it'd be fascinating with the Oscars this weekend if we looked at the major categories of the Oscars and picked winners with two ground rules, all right? These are who we would pick, not predicting the winners, who we would pick if we had a vote, all right? With two ground rules. A, you can only vote for a nominee uh, in or from a movie you've seen. All right, so if you haven't seen that movie, you can't vote for that nominee. Now, if if you haven't seen any of the movies in this category, we're only going to do like the main, we're not doing like sound editing, we're just going to do the major categories. If, if you haven't seen any of these movies, then you got to base it off of the trailer. If you saw a trailer to any of these movies that you that you found compelling, all right? I'm all the way down to production. Don't, Does- don't spoil anything yet. Don't, Okay. Because I'm pretty sure what table maker over here, I'm pretty sure what conundrum he's going to run into. All right, so I've got, these, I've got the official Oscars website up, all right? We're just going to take these in order. Act, best Actor, here are the nominees. Christian Bale in Vice, Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, Willem Dafoe in At Eternity's Gate, Rami, Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book. Todd. Uh, I haven't seen any, so I'm going with the trailer option, Vigo Mortensen and Green Book. Okay. Nate, what do you think? Trailer option, Vigo Mortensen and Green Book. Todd, or I'm sorry, Aaron? Yeah, try it. Same thing. I have seen Bohemian Rhapsody, and Remy Malik is incredible, so I will go with that. So first category, I'm the only one that has seen any of these movies, and I've only seen one of them, right? Okay. Uh, best Supporting Actor, uh, I can never pronounce his name right, but he's a great actor, Marishala Marishala Ali thank you in Green Green Book Adam Driver uh, that's Kylo Ren in Black Klansman Sam Elliott in A Star is Born Richard Grant and Can You Ever Forgive Me Sam Rockwell in Vice Aaron nope 
You haven't even seen any of these trailers. Uh, no, I. Well, you I, saw Green Book because you voted for that one. Oh, I just because of Vigo Mortensen, I okay. don't even remember seeing the trailer. I, I haven't even seen the trailer for any of these movies. <laughs> How am I supposed to do this? He's a shot. This is a, this, there's a point we're making here. All right, Nate, your your pick. Is the point that we're making here that Aaron needs to get out of the office? No, we've made we, that, we made point, that point yesterday, yeah. Nate. I, I know we've made that. <laughs> shut up <laughs> again. The shut-in says to shut it. All right. <laughs> the sun's not a monster. Um, trailer <laughs> option: Ali Green Book. What do you think? Todd? Sam Rockwell Vice. I have I can, I've only seen trailers, um, and I will go. I will go with Marishala Ali and Green Book, even though I think Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush in the Vice trailer, I thought I thought he actually yeah. pretty kind of nailed it. I, yeah, but I, I just think I think that I think Marishala Ali is such a great actor. Yeah, I just is. wanted to give him. I've a seen claim. none of those movies either, though. Best actress: <clears throat> Yalitza Aparicio in Roma, Glenn Close in The Wife, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born, Melissa McCarthy in Can You Ever Forgive Me, Todd? Um, I've only seen one of those trailers i think so i guess i have to say lady gaga so one no, none of the movies one of the trailers yeah. nate i'm in the same boat with todd the only trailer i've seen is star is born so i by the rules have to go with lady gaga and i honestly think out of that lineup that the academy is probably gonna go that way anyway what do you think aaron yeah that's the only that's the, that's only, the only trailer i've seen out of those i have seen three none of these movies one of them i've never even heard of i've seen three of the trailers though but I will go with Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born, mainly because I really liked her rendition of this of the national anthem a couple of years ago. All right, best actress, uh, best supporting actress. We'll go through these quicker. Amy Adams in Vice, Marina de Tavera in Roma, Regina King in If Beale Street Could Talk, Emma Stone in The Favorite, Rachel Weisz in The Favorite, Aaron. No Caprendo. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm remembering that I have seen the trailer for Vice, and I do love Amy Adams, so okay. that's, that's my. That would be my vote. I've not seen any of these movies. I love uh, Amy Adams, I'm a, uh, so I would give that vote. Yeah, too. Uh, I, that's all I can help do. All right. Um, best animated feature: Incredibles Two, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Todd, uh, the only one I've seen: Incredibles Two. Aaron, haven't seen any of those, but I'll go with Incredible Two. Nate. Okay, so the only one I've seen is Incredibles 2. And I will say, like, all right, so I'll add some commentary to this. I saw it Quickly. when Virginia I saw it when Virginia was pregnant and I saw it after we had the baby. Yep. It was like five times funnier because of Jack Jack after we had the baby. Life happens. I've seen yes. three of these. It Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse would be would be my pick. All right, here we go. Finally, best picture. All right. Let me scroll down here. Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, or Vice, Aaron? Saw the first 10 minutes of Black Panther before I fell asleep, <laughs> so I'm going with that one. What the hell? Man. <laughs> Black Panther, but I saw the whole thing. Todd. Black Panther. Black I saw Panther. the whole thing. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. That's I'm it. still reacting to Aaron. Nate. I don't know how this is going to be received by this panel, but um, I, I, I did not have a terrible time watching Black Panther, and I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. Bohemian Rhapsody is a lot better movie than Black Panther. Black Panther is not even the best Marvel movie. Avengers Infinity War is three times the movie Black Panther is. It's not it was, but it's playing by the rules. It's the only movie I saw. Oh, I know. I'm, no, I'm just giving my why I'm choosing. I, I should clarify. That's why I am choosing... Um, I'm choosing Bohemian Rhapsody instead. All right, we got to get to predictions. Yeah. Uh, quickly, Nate, go. 
I think that we're gonna, we're not going to see this uh, this national emergency signed until the hundred the one point three billion is spent. Not a prediction, a promise. My penis will be male next week. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I. Yeah. Hawks by a million tonight. That's that's all I got. I feel compelled to make the same prediction now. Yeah. Just to clarify. I know. Because uh, in case your wife's listening. If we're not back on Monday. We went out you said it with a sort of over-the-top conviction that has me kind of doubting. Like there, there's some compensation happening here. <laughs> what was that thing that the, like Taylor Swift at the end of the Reputation video I had very much liked to not be a part of this narrative? Oh my goodness, Nate! It, it's it's uh, it's good to see you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, Thank you, brother. Hey, if you want to push back on some of this cultural insanity, Victoria Hurst is trying to do that against her own family. Visit CosmoHurtsKids.com. Tell them, hey, uh, stop marketing smut to kids. Go to CosmoHurtsKids.com. We're back with hour two here of the Steve Day Show live and on demand on the Blaze Feedback Friday coming up here in uh, a little bit. Still time to get to your feedback in and let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. For those of you listening on the podcast, last name is D-E-A-C-E. I, I want to go back to the very end of the last hour because in all seriousness, places like Cosmopolitan Magazine, is where the kind of lunacy that that we are forced to confront, defeat, and mock in our culture today, it's where it's either planted, birthed, germinated, disseminated, all of the above, places like that. And that's that is that is why we have uh, supported uh, Victoria Hurst's cause here on the Blaze, because our, you can. You know, we've homeschooled our kids all the way up until this point right now. And, you know, you do it, you can do it either for insulation or isolation. And those are two different things. Okay. Um, you know, our intent is to insulate our children to protect their innocence for as long as possible because they'll have the rest of their lives to find out what life is truly like east of Eden. And as they get older, we're much more honest with them about that. If you were to talk, you know, if we were to bring our, my oldest in here, Anna, who just turned 18, there's no, there's no naivete there. She is well aware. She wasn't well aware at 11. She wasn't well aware at 10 or even 12 for that matter. And then slowly but surely, as she got closer and closer to adulthood, we made her more and more aware because we didn't want to so isolate her that she wasn't prepared for the real world either. Because isolation, by the way, isn't even an option because you can isolate them all you want. We're not going to watch this show. We're not going to do that. And I'm not saying there's not a, a, a you, know, you shouldn't do some of that. We've done plenty of that in our house. But then you go through the checkout line at the grocery counter in Cosmopolitan Magazine. He's just sitting right there. Out in the open with all of this insanity paraded around. And all of the isolation that you attempted to practice up until that point, puff the magic dragon. Gone. Gone in three seconds. And their little brains transmit that into the hard drive right away. 
And that's why she has stood up and said, hey, this is our own family's business, but we shouldn't be marketing this stuff at children. If, if we're going to produce a glossier, more expensive version of Playboy, we ought to be treated like that. So that's kind of at a ground level where a lot of this fight is at. So visit the website, CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com. All right, before we get to Feedback Friday, uh, let's get to today's Truth Bomb, uh, which is brought to you by my book, uh, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. Available now, uh, but uh, the publisher would prefer if you want to get a copy, you get yours via Amazon.com. And if you've had a chance uh, to read it and you like it, if you'd leave us a five-star review there on Amazon, that would certainly help us uh, spread the word about the book as well. If you won't do it for me, uh, do it for the children. Mine, because they're thinking Disney, brah. Without further ado, this truth bomb today is a video courtesy of pro-life activist Lila Rose and her organization, Live Action, going undercover uh, at a baby-killing uh, abortuary in the state of New York where they just legalized infanticide. Check this out. What if it was, like, twitching or, like, something like that? Like... Uh, the solution will make it stop. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not going to be moving around in the jar. Okay, the solution would make it, like... Yeah, that's the whole purpose of the solution. Okay. So, like, if it, if it looked like it was, like, like breathing or something like that... It'll automatically stop. It won't be able to... It won't be able... Okay. So I'm not even going to see it. No. So... Okay, so I mean, like, if that happens, sleep, they take it out and it goes into our lab where they do the stuff with the jar and cleaning and all that. Okay, so what is the solution? It's just like something like toxic or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we have to so, do that like, to keep it clean, and you know, because by the time it gets to the lab, it still needs to be freshly, you know. Yeah. So, so they could weigh it, so it could be proper weight. To make sure that everything came out of you. Like, there's no pieces left in you. Yeah. So, like, you'll make sure, like, I don't have to deal with it. No. If it will die. Like, you're done. You're done. Once you start this today, that's it. You'll, you're not going to see it. We're not going to show you your sonogram pictures. We're not going to, you know. Yeah. All right. So, I'm like, if I feel like I'm having, like, labor pain kind of thing. Yeah. Call us. Call you. Yeah. We have an emergency line. Like, what if it, like, pops out, like, at home? Like, <laughs> if it comes out, yeah, then it comes out. Then flush it, comes, it, just like flush it. Yeah, but you still have to come in. Okay, we have to make sure that it, everything came out. But we never had a situation like that. Because if it's like, what if it's like on the floor? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what would we yeah, do with not it? Be taking care of it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, <laughs> like you guys would come yes. and like. If anything, you know, we'll tell you to put it in a bag or something or somewhere and bring it to us. And then we have. Procedures all the time. You do. It's like pretty common. Like yeah. even with me, kind of stage. Yeah. Like at this stage. Like every day. Whatever happens at home, you know, like don't call the hospital. No, no, call us. Okay. okay. Why? So why not call we, the hospital? Like because we started it first. Um, the hospital won't take you. They won't touch you either because we started it. So whoever starts it has to finish it. That is right. That that scene you just saw is right out of the movie Unplanned. That um, much of that same conversation, just like that, takes place in the film. 
So when the film comes out at the end of March, and the killing industry claims, if they even acknowledge it, because they're going to try to pretend it's not even a film. But if it should become popular enough that they should feel compelled to acknowledge it, much like they claim the uh, David Daleiden videos were doctored, and then the federal courts looked at it and said they're totally authentic, nothing's been tampered with whatsoever. See, if you if, understand this, you need to understand something here. Because this is a broader point about pro-life activism. When you, when you fight hard for bills that say um, at a certain point of time, then you can kill the baby. The, the late Bob Dornan, Congressman B1 Bob was his nickname back in the day, was one of the original pro-life warriors in Congress at the dawn of Roe v. Wade, marched with Martin Luther King Jr. during the Civil Rights Movement. He used to say, if it ends with the sentence and then you can kill the baby, it's really not a pro-life bill. Here's what he meant by that. See, if you sign, if you, if you fight so hard for bills that after 27 weeks or 30 weeks or this period or that period, um, then you can't, you can't kill the child. Who is responsible for reporting that data? Have you ever, you ever wondered that? You ever wondered who would, who would record the level of development? How, who, would, who would be the source of archiving that, of citing that? There, there's not a national prenatal registry, and nor do I think, frankly, there ought to be one, given the current climate of government these days. There, no state has a prenatal registry, meaning a, a centralized place where you would go to acquire said information. Like, like you can go online to an FEC website and find out donations to campaigns. Okay, there, there is no centralized place to go where we would agree from some independent third party, this is how far along the child is. Therefore, in all of these cases, it is quite often the abortionist who is, res- who is responsible for citing the stage and development of the child. Might I suggest... See, that's, and that, that's what Gosnell did. They falsified records. They lied about um, x-rays and, and other prenatal things they used uh, in order to justify killing the child. Might I suggest that if your conscience is so seared that you can go home at night after spending the day doing what you just saw in that video, that lying about whether a child is at 19 weeks, seven, six days, 20 weeks, one day, at any stage of development, might I suggest lying? If the murder of children, if your conscience is so seared that murdering children seems like a legitimate job to you, might I suggest lying isn't much of a leap? Fraud probably doesn't seem like it's way out of bounds. You could probably find a way to justify it, would be my guess. And so you're seeing there in those videos that clinic worker, quote unquote, it's people like her that are going to tell us how far along the child was. It'll be clinics like her that'll report back whether the child was at 20 weeks or not. 
They will tell us. Never thought about that. You're literally fighting hard for bills to convince murderers to self-report. Do you, do you think that could be a problematic, a, a, a problematic calculation? Does the woman in that video you see who is just giggly, nonchalant about what she's doing? Do, do you think she earnestly cares about how far along that child is? How about the use of the word solution? You want to talk about some providential trolling? There's some. Use of the word solution? This is how we solve this problem. Because when you're not human, you're a problem that needs to be solved. And this absolutely confirms that if the child is alive, they kill it. And if it comes out, just let it come out. And what do you do with the remains? Just flush it. This is right out of the Unplanned movie. Now you know why it got a rated R. Because it's going to tell you the truth. That's why they rated it R. It's not for gratuitous sex, F-bombs. Uh, it's not for gore. No. It's because what you saw in that video, look at the links they went to to silence David Delighton. The same state that did that to him is the same state that rates your movies. That's why the unplanned movie is rated R. Because they want to keep clips like that, like the one you just saw away from the general population. Why does she say to her, we're not even going to show you your sonogram? We're not going to do anything that might prick your conscience whatsoever. Why would this prick my conscience if it's okay? Why, why would it prick my conscience if it's, if I should shout my abortion, why would it prick my conscience? Remember when I used to say if, if government, if, if the welfare state is charity and we had the highest amount of people on food stamps than ever before during the Obama years, why weren't we sending out press releases talking about the fact we're the most charitable people of all time and the food stamp program is the best it's ever been? If this is a great thing to be proud of, why wouldn't you look? Why wouldn't you show us? Why wouldn't you want to flaunt it? Why wouldn't you want to be, conf I mean, we live in an era where LeBron James sends himself congratulatory notes on Instagram for setting records. This isn't a culture that lacks for vanity. So, I mean, if, if this is such a great thing, we should shout our abortion. Why would we not want to be confronted with and confront others with the evidence of what's actually transpiring here? Why would we want to be shielded from something we're proud of? Your thoughts, men. We deserve judgment. That's my thought. Harsh judgment. We uh, and this go well. This goes to what I said before about we we are at war. What these these monsters are hiding in plain sight around every corner in politics. 
in cinema, in medicine, in education. And here we sit. Uh, the answer, I ask it, it's from the Untouchables, Aaron said, what are you prepared to do? The answer over and over and over again is absolutely nothing about what we're prepared to do. Yeah, I'm arguing with people on my email about whether they'll They won't even go see a movie that if it did well would would cross over into the mainstream because, well, you know, we've got, uh, we don't, we go, don't go see rated R films. They're saying so. it's specifically about this film? Are yeah, you yeah, kidding I've, me? I've, I've, I've literally argued with people on my email about it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. No. Aaron. There's, there are times we're supposed to be uh, uh, communication professionals. Uh, there are, there are just times when there's just not, there's not, there's, there's no words to describe. There's no special way to put it. There's no, um, Simile, there's no analogy, there's no allegory, there's no, there's nothing but just uh, sackcloth and ashes time. And that's, seeing that video, just flush it, just flush it. Um, and then hearing you say you're arguing with people about whether or not to see this movie because it has an R rated, uh, an R rating. I'm sure they're probably the same people yesterday who I saw uh, sharing on Facebook a p- picture of Donald Trump, a depiction of Donald Trump and Jesus walking together saying, uh, these two will bring peace. I'm sure those are probably the same people. Idolaters, one and all. Um, lukewarm is not a good is not a good depiction. Uh, it's sackcloth and ashes time. That's yeah. That's basically the, all there is. I got it. The church, the Christian faith, it, it's a rated R faith. All right? Get that through your damn head. It's a rated R faith. It has a crucifix in it. I, it, I The church is so utterly broken if it is filled with people who go check their boxes... But will they stand? For what will they stand? You've got to be kidding me, people. Look around you. It is not good enough just to get in your Sunday best and think you're better than everybody. That's the devil's talk. That's his game. That's his scam. Honestly, what the hell is wrong with you? I don't know how to... Let's just... You know what? We're going to do Feedback Friday because I want everything you guys just said to just kind of stand on its own. Feedback Friday this week brought to you by Genesis 950. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odor, that can be an expensive transaction. Don't. Before you go down that road, try Genesis 950 instead. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors, so they're gone for good. And its antibacterial component will remove pet stains and odors from carpet and padding. And it can be used in carpet cleaning machines, and it's so green that it's safe for your families and pets. You can even use it um, all over the house, even those really nice granite countertops as well. So before you go down the road of that new carpet major uh, purchase, try Genesis 950. Genesis950.com is the website. If you re- you'll receive a free spray bottle and a discount using promo code BLAZE when you go there. Genesis950.com. 
That's Genesis950.com. Again, it, uh, carpeting and all that stuff is expensive. Sometimes it's necessary. But give this a shot first before you go down that road and see if you can save yourself some money. Genesis950.com. All right, let's begin. Nick writes, I am fully on board with your prison for one and prison for all stance. One cannot help but think we plebeians would not receive the same legal leeway as the political and cultural elite if we were in these situations. Working in education, I am often surrounded by those who view mercy as empathy and justice as cruelty. Can you further articulate your stance on justice from the Christian worldview as applied to issues like criminal justice, border security, etc.? Well, I would say my best understanding, Nick, of a biblical worldview on, on these topics is there's a hierarchy of values, all right, meaning some offenses are worse than others, okay? So we're not talking this—we're talking about a more specific term here, all right? We're not, we're not rating sinfulness. Hey, your sins are not as bad as mine because I like mine more. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the, when you commit a crime, you're committing a level of offense, meaning your sinfulness has now caused damage to another. That's what a crime is, right? A crime is when your sinfulness has caused damage to another person. You've imposed your sinfulness on someone else, okay? That's what a crime is. So let's, we got to define what's a crime. We got to define everything nowadays, Okay. A crime is when you impose your sinfulness upon another in a way that causes it causes some form of a damage. That's a crime, okay? That's number one. In the Christian worldview, that's what a crime is, all right? Uh, now, in terms of what those penalties are, there's a hierarchy of, of, of damage that you have inflicted. What eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth means, those are not necessarily literal. They are in a capital offense, Anybody who tells you the Bible does not support capital punishment is wrong. That's just not true. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not a good argument for not permitting the U.S. government to have the power of capital punishment. Because if your argument to me is, I don't know that I trust a government that hands a half a billion dollars a year to Planned Parenthood to be a true arbiter of right and wrong, if that's your argument, you might have an ally where I'm concerned. All right. So I'm not talking about whether the U.S. government should practice the death penalty as capital punishment or not. I am talking merely in in Christian worldview terms. There is zero argument. Send them all. I'll crush them because you have no biblical argument against the death penalty. Not one does not exist. One does not exist. It's an advocate for it all the way through. Even in the New Testament, when Jesus is at the cross, he is surrounded by two criminals one of them begs for mercy. Jesus grants him mercy. He doesn't immune him from the condemnation or the consequences for his earthly actions at the same time. He suffers them out. So you, there is no argument against capital. There may be a civil argument that this government shouldn't be granted such authority given its low regard for life. And I might even be sympathetic to that. All right. But that is a civil argument for this culture. That is not a macro Christian argument. So a capital offense, like the taking of a life, does justify your forfeiting your life in exchange. Why? Because the first principle of Christian justice is restitution. Restitution must be made for the offense. 
Why? Because what is a crime? A crime is when you impose an inf or inflict your sinfulness on another, causing a damage. Restitution is the, is the makeup, the recompense for the damage that you caused. That's why back in the day when you used to play baseball in the backyard and you broke, you know, Mrs. Smith's window across the street, your mom, you know, uh, mama bear made you do what? Pay for her window. You had to make restitution. We used to have chain gangs and things of this nature, acts of service for prisoners. Why? Restitution. Restitution is the first step of Christian justice. The offender must pay restitution to the offendee. Restitution must be made. You must pay back the damage that you have caused. That is the first principle. Once the first principle is met, then restoration is the next goal of Christian justice. Restoration. So restitution would be one. Restitution, restoration would be two. Like grace and law. So before there is a resurrection, there is a what? There's a crucifixion. Why? Because it must be accomplished. It must be finished. What must be accomplished and finished? The debt owed to the law. It must be satisfied first. And then once the debt is satisfied, then there can be a restitution, a restoration. But there must be restitution first. So restitution is first. Restoration is next. And if you have committed a capital offense that requires the ultimate restitution, that's why we send you chaplains on death row. Because your, your, your hope then is for a restoration in the next life, not for this one. That's when we try to reach you until the last minute before your last breath on this earth. Understand, as bad as what human government is about to do to you, hell is multitudes worse. Be restored. Don't let it end this way. That's why we do it this way. Where did all these old-fashioned notions come from? What I'm explaining to you now. What's happened is we have we want we want restoration without restitution nowadays, and the rest or, and if we have restitution, it's this collective one, a debt to well, you owe a debt to society. Sometimes you do. Like I would argue, Jesse Jesse Smollett owes a debt to society. He poor he he is the, we we as a culture are the ones he inflicted his sinfulness upon. But let's say that he committed a physical act of violence against another individual. He wouldn't owe me a debt for that. Who would he owe the debt for? The one that he, the one that he injured. That would be where the restitution comes. What would that look like, for example, in sports? If you went out there in hockey and gave a, 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 a cheap shot at somebody that knocked them out of the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs, guess where you ought to be for the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs? On the bench. You're out as long as he's out. If indeed we've ruled that this is clearly a cheap shot, not something that hacked to happen in the in the in the act of competitive play, but there was clearly an act here intended to cause injury, then the injury that you caused, the damages that you inflicted, you pay restitution, you're out just as long. That's what we would do. But we've lost this notion. So we want restoration without restitution. 
We want restoration via rehabilitation. Human governments are incapable of rehabilitation. Human constructs, by and large, are incapable of it. Why? Because what is it, what, what is it about us that makes us do these things? What, what, there's a story happening right now. The 77-year-old owner of the New England Patriots, whose current girlfriend is like 50 years younger than him and a supermodel, was just busted in a human trafficking ring down in Florida for soliciting prostitution that were that 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 the authorities were investigating this as part of a human trafficking ring. He's 77 years old. How much money does he have? How many women has he had? I guess we could call this their seventh ring. If you get the joke. I mean, what more does he need? See, Robert Kraft has a problem in the heart. He doesn't have rehabilitation from some earthly life coach ain't gonna fix that. He's had everything this world says matters, and he is still at 77 years old. When most men are like, how do I get out of this rocking chair? He is soliciting prostitutes from a human trafficking ring. That's what the authorities are alleging anyway. Why would he do that? Because he's, he's on the wrong side of the equation. He's broken. That's why. So we want restoration via rehabilitation from human sources. Can't happen that way. And that's why we have a high rate of recidivism. People keep coming, going back and forth because they're not made whole. We just, we put a Band-Aid on it. So restitution first, followed by restoration. That would be the Christian model of justice. I'm a big fan of... From Dusk to Dawn, that is the natural energy supplement from Brickhouse Nutrition. And unlike those things you buy in those little bottles and you turn it over and there's 9,000 ingredients and you can't pronounce 8,000 of them or more, uh, this is done the way nature and the creator intended. Brickhouse Nutrition is a physician-led company. This stuff is all natural, and I love this product. I'm a frequent user. Uh, no digestive issues, no come downs, no crashes, no jitters, none of the other sorts of uh, symptoms that, that you hear about sometimes from these energy drinks and pills, you'll get none of that from dusk to dawn. And right now you can get to 15% off your first order if you use my name as a promo code, Steve, when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. Again, the name of the product is From Dawn to Dusk. Check it out at BrickHouseSteve.com. More Feedback Friday in a moment. Back to more Feedback Friday in a moment, but first, Aaron needs to humble brag. Yes, that is correct. If uh, you are in the uh, position that a lot of uh, people are, especially if you're in the Midwest and you're looking for things to do inside as this winter that never ends just continues to roll down, consider resolving to take your firearms training to the next level with iTarget Pro. Utilizing your smartphone, their proprietary app, which works really well. I don't know if you've ever had a, a situation with an app that you've downloaded that it's just really clunky and you just it's really slow, no matter how good your phone is, what have you. Now, this app is really slick. It's simple to use, and it tracks a caliber-specific laser that fits inside your firearm, in my case, a 9 millimeter. 
and will detect exactly where your shots are landing. iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with your caliber-specific laser, target system, and instructions, so you can begin training immediately. So take that uh, maybe tax refund if you've got that already. Go to the letter itargetpro.com, check out the video, choose your caliber, and download the app so you're ready when the system arrives. This month, you can get 10% off, plus free shipping with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter itargetpro.com, offer code STEVE, itargetpro.com. All right, let's get back to Feedback Friday. Again, the email address, steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. A note we recently received on Facebook from Patrick Porter, who says, I'm so done with people that call themselves a Christian and then bash President Trump on a public forum. You're giving the devil just what he wants. You should be asking the viewers to be, to be praying for him and his cabinet that he does God's will. Why did Daniel pray for his captors? Why does the Bible say to pray for those in authority? You have such an amazing platform to reach people, and yet you bomb so hard. I really like the fact you came to the blaze, and now you're just like the rest of the media machine. I hope and pray God's will be done. God bless you, and have a good day. So, Patrick, you seem like an earnest individual. Maybe you don't truly understand what it is that you just said. What you essentially just said is that the measure of Christian worth and integrity is based off of their support for a sectarian political leader. I second that. I, I do. I, and I'm just asking, do you understand that's what you said, Patrick? Because when I've gotten notes like this, they've actually not been nearly as polite or even as well articulated as yeah. yours is. So I'm inclined to think maybe you don't, you're, you're, you're more of a critical thinker. Are we really sure? Because, you know, the, the, really the core argument of Christianity, if you want to know why apostles, the apostles were martyred, uh, you know, they put a sign over Christ's head at the cross. Do you guys remember what it said? King of the Jews. Why did the Romans put that there? Because in the Roman mind, Jesus was crucified for the crime of sedition meaning he was representing an insurgent force, a, a, a kingdom to rival the sovereignty of Rome. I go back and read the Gospel of John. My kingdom is not of this world. You know, all, all those arguments. That was the argument. And then the Jewish people who didn't believe he was their Messiah said, we have no king but Jesus. I'm sorry, we have no king but Caesar. And then Caesar's minion, Pontius Pilate, put over his head, king of the Jews. That's what they hung him with. So this is the argument of history. The Christian religion has always been the force that says, you political leader are not God. God is God. We obey God and not man. So number one, are you sure you understand the implications of what you just said? Secondly, you are correct. We should ask our viewers and listeners to pray for our leaders more. I get convicted of this every several months on this show. You are absolutely correct. We should do that more often. Thirdly, did you did you call for people in our line of work to ask for our viewers to pray for leaders when Barack Obama was in power? There it is. Do you want us to pray for Nancy Pelosi, Patrick? Or do we only pray for the Republican leaders? Does he pray for not Donald Trump to stop ripping on other people? Does yeah. He, does he pray for that? Also, you cited the example of Daniel. 
uh, Daniel defied his captors. Yeah, he, he, it wasn't a question of whether he prayed for them or defied them. He did both. He defied them. He served God. Again, Daniel, Daniel was put in a lion's den. His friends were put in a fiery furnace. Specifically because they would not measure their worth by allegiance to a political authority of earthly origin. When that political authority told them to do and obey them up until the point that they were asked to disobey God, they did. And when they were then asked to disobey God, that's when they refused that earthly authority. Now, I can't speak for everybody else. But if you watch and listen to our show, our criticisms of this president are mostly our desire to see him fulfill the word and vow he has given to people like you. This president declared a national emergency a week ago and still hasn't even signed the declaration for it, let alone acted on it. So if we're going to do this whole Christian integrity thing, let's do it. If a Democratic president did such a thing and said we were lit- told the American people we were under invasion at our southern border, and then a week later had done nothing substantive, let alone even signing a piece of paper, to finalize that this emergency he told us existed, Patrick, what would you be saying? What would you say about that? Well, I can tell you what I'd be saying. The same thing that I'm saying right now. So... It's not about whether you like the consequence of what we're saying here. It's about whether what we're saying here is true or not. Is it true? Do you know who considers the truth based on the consequence of it? The mentally ill with their female penises that Aaron talked about last hour saying, uh, ignore science. It's not an excuse for your bigotry. Pagans do that. Pagans accept the notion of truth on the basis of, does it conform to my desires? That's what Pontius Pilate means when he says to Jesus, chaos veritas, what is the truth? He's saying it dismissively. I don't care what the truth is. I just got to get out of this mess. I want the outcome that I want. That's what pagans think. The Christians accept the truth because it's true, and therefore the truth sets us free, regardless of the consequences for it. And we live with the consequences for it, good or bad, because the Lord giveth and then the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, Patrick, my counter to you would be, maybe you should seriously consider the ramifications of what you're asserting. Because just based off the tone of your note, I don't think you fully have vetted some of your own thoughts yet. I'm writing to you. This is from Chuck Billinger in Vista, California. I'm writing because of you guys' expertise in social media. Earlier this year, I got into a political disagreement on Twitter with someone I admire. We have a difference of opinion on the immigration issue, and he chose to classify my opinion as, quote, nonsense. I am an adult. I can defend my own positions. But rather than engage further, I chose to acknowledge our disagreement and no longer possess a desire to consume his content. This set me over the edge. I'd rather cut ties than try and repair and re-engage. 
I admire you guys because even when we disagree, you don't always go out of your way to offend the other side of the issue. You can ask the other side to defend their argument. You don't hold back, yet you unleash only on those once they've essentially asked you for it. So I'm near the breaking point of eliminating social media as a political component. While I appreciate learning the news quickly, Twitter seemingly offers more elements of harm and division than noteworthy content. If I try to engage with people on either side I admire, it usually leads to nothing positive. How do you recommend navigating political social media in today's climate? Um, I'm going to let both of you chime in on this one as well. Let me just say specifically, though, about Twitter. I wouldn't use Twitter as a place of engagement on any level. I would use Twitter as a place for, for accumulating wide, voluminous sources of information in a nice, convenient setting that would take a lot more time that you don't have to do on your own. Basically, Twitter is what only media people used to have access to, LexisNexis or AP Wires. Use Twitter for that, for you. And, and then use it as a place where um, pithy statements and thoughts, bumper sticker slogans, you know, um, uh, you know, what are those little uh, crafts? My wife collects them. They've been around for years, but they have little, you know, slogans. That's what Twitter's for. It's when, and when someone comes at me meaningfully on Twitter, I'll almost always invite them to come on the show for a real conversation because it can't simply be had in that format. So I would discourage as a general rule an attempt to have a, 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 a meaningful back and forth with someone on Twitter just because I don't think the format was meant for it or permits it for that matter. But what do you guys think in general? Well, I think you should. Hey, Lent's coming up. Uh, you should give up social media for a while. Don't do this in theory. Test it out. And then see what you miss. See what you don't miss. What you miss might be a problem. What you miss might not be a problem at all. And therefore, like I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't know what I would do without Twitter in order to be prepared uh, easily to do the, my job on this, this Have show. Have a lot less free time because yeah, it would yeah. take a lot more time well, and to I do, can do this, yeah. And you can do this in your free time, sometimes to my you know, wife's chagrin, mm. put down the phone. But it's not like <laughs> I can just write. If, if I know the news cycle is on a weekend is kind of humming, I, I can do that without having to go sit in front of my laptop at home. Um, so, but, you know, you, you might have you have a lot of good reasons there for wondering what you're doing there. So just g give it up. Don't take the next step. Give it up for a while and see how you feel about it. I, you ask legit questions. It's time to take this all the way. Um, both of you guys are wrong. Uh, I think the thing to do is, especially on Twitter, get an anonymous account because then you'll feel a lot more. one of those eggs? More, yeah. Well, no. The Twitter egg? No. You, be, be creative a little bit, but make sure you never identify yourself. Um, you know, that way you're not going to feel as bad when somebody calls you an idiot, um, and you're not going to feel quite as trepidatious about calling somebody any number of things if you're able to, you know, not have them track track you down at any point. So, yeah, get an anonymous account. You can even do that on Facebook, too, as well, uh, because we all know that that's the best way to engage with people. Uh, yeah, all of that is <laughs> obviously bunk. I, I would generally agree with Steve's thoughts on Twitter about being not being a place for engagement. It's, there are sometimes, if there are people attempting to have an earnest conversation, Todd and I had one with one of our uh, listeners, viewers a couple of weeks ago regarding the um, vaccine skeptic um, debate. And I thought it was a fairly productive, I don't know about you, Todd, I thought it was a fairly productive conversation on Twitter of all places. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are some, but most of the time, 
Twitter engagement is just somebody taking pot shots at you. Not really any attempt. You disagree with me. You're not in my tribe. Uh, I'm going to, and then if you call me on that, I'm going to overreact and then keep uh, keep flooding your mentions until you uh, affirm me. Uh, that's basically what Twitter is if you try to engage most of the time. Uh, Facebook, I don't know, man. I've I During the 2016 uh, cycle, I learned this lesson the hard way. And I th- don't think it was so much the platform, but I actually lost a couple of... of uh, friendships over things I thought uh, that I needed to confront um, on Facebook. So just be careful. If you're going to come at somebody, you know, come at them confidently, respectfully, uh, but at the same time, weigh in your mind, is this person, uh, if I lost this relationship, if this person took it the wrong way, uh, am I willing to do that? So that, that, that would be a few things to keep in mind, I think. Lonnie Craig in Arkansas says, can you tell me what your experience debating the life issue has taught you pro-aborts really believe? Um, I, first of all, your use of terms there, Lonnie, uh, is, uh, is salient because I think we need to understand there's a difference between pro-choicers and pro-aborts. You're almost never going to debate a pro-choicer. Because they're kind of passive on the issue by nature. They're not really committed. Most people who identify as pro-choice are in favor of multitudes of abortion restrictions, multitudes of bans on abortions after a certain period of time. Okay, Um, they're just not comfortable. They don't. And some of it is just as simple as, well, if I get the babysitter pregnant and we want to get rid of the baby, um, or who am I to judge somebody else? Okay, so that's who that's who most of your pro-choicers are. Most of your pro-choicers have would support on some level all kinds of restrictions upon abortion. They are just uh, morally hesitant and resistant to just outright, none may need it. Yes, yes. Uh, morally resistant and hesitant to ending it, which is why I think a movie like Unplanned is necessary to confront that group of people with what it is they, they're kind of ho-hum about. Most of your debates, or most, it will be with the pro-aborts. And the reality is, I mean, their arguments are doctrines of demons. They don't care. Uh, they they can't be convinced by you know uh, four d- dimensional I'm sorry three dimensional technology in the womb they, they 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 don't care about any of that it it is it is a continuation of an anthropological fact of the human condition every human society um, east of Eden has practiced some form of child sacrifice and this is just the Moloch of this era this is the you know, um, Aztec priest, you know, standing over a cauldron of, you know, fire and acid that they're going to, uh, you know, cast their babies into at the top of the steeple or the temple. Uh, that That's this era's version of that. And in my opinion, I would urge us not to argue with those people, but to instead try to, en- if we get the chance to engage them, they often won't engage you, by the way, because they don't want to expose this. Because the most effective argumentation is to show the pro-choicers what the pro-aborts really are and what they really want. See, the reason they want to crush those plan, those David Delayden videos, the reason they want to rate the plan, the unplanned movie rated R is the pro-aborts are scared to death of losing the pro-choicers. 
They don't care what you think. They're scared to death of losing the buffer group between us and them. That's what they're afraid of. So the more that you can get them being honest about what they're really for. In other words, I wouldn't argue with them at all. Just roll tape. Ask them, hey, when do you think life begins? You have children. When when were your own children? When did you think, when did you view them as alive? As their own person? And just roll the tape. And get as many pro-choicers as you can find. Let them hear it. Because it's abhorrent. Because the heart, Pharaoh has hardened his heart. The conscience is seared. So when you've crossed over to this issue on that level, you're not interested in any argumentation. And so I think the best effective argument is, you know, sell for people who are sellable. Go after people who are gettable. Pro-boards, barring an act of God, are not gettable. Lots of pro-choices are because they truly haven't been confronted with the ramifications of what it is that they're willing to give people the choice to do or not. And I think that strategy of that not drawing that distinction is a mistake that I think another tactical mistake we have made for many years. Hey, it's bad enough your IRS problems ruined 2018. Don't let them ruin 2019 as well. Optima Tax Relief has saved its clients billions or nearly a billion, with a B, over the years. Why? Because they understand behind every tax problem is an honest, hardworking American with a family, a paycheck, and a bank account that is worthy to protect. And they are there to fight for you when the IRS has all of those things in its sights. Don't double down on a mistake and fight the IRS alone. Get the experts at Optima Tax Relief, a team that can help stop the aggressive collection and enforcement actions and intimidation tactics of the IRS. Call now for a free consultation while you still have options. Optima Tax Relief can be reached at 800-699-6140. That's 1-800-699-6140. want to thank everybody for tuning in here today. Todd and Aaron, thanks for being a part of the program again. Nate Madden, our congressional correspondent, joining us earlier today on the DACE Group Roundtable. Have a great weekend. Um, let's see, I've got... A- and one kid with a tonsillectomy and another kid with a birthday party all going down to my house this week. So it's going to be a blast. <laughs> we'll see you on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.